Hello, I'm Patrick Cronin, Senior Director of the Asia-Pacific Security Program at the Center for a New American Security. In this continuing series of podcasts to develop an alliance requirements roadmap, we're here with former Vice Minister of Defense, Hideshi Tokuchi, to talk about Japan's changing roles, missions, and capabilities. Tokuchi-san, welcome very much to the program. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you first about the new national security laws that were enacted in 2015. Uh, they seem to hold the potential for significant change for Japan's role in security issues. How do you expect the laws to change the self-defense force role and, and Japan's role in security in the coming years? Well, uh, Patrick, uh, thank you very much for asking that important question. Uh, I am Hideshi Tokuchi, uh, former Vice Minister of Defense of Japan for International Affairs. My question to you is as follows. The new security legislation is based on the two basic principles. First, Japan's strong resolve to go through with the defense of its own territory no matter what. And second, a proactive contribution to peace. The legislation expands the scope of Japan's role in international security. Of course, its spirit is a whole-of-government approach, but in the core are, of course, the defense forces. Although the issue of the right to se collective self-defense in case of an armed attack against foreign countries caught much attention, the legislation actually covers a lot more. I will give you a full example. First, Japanese forces can protect U.S. assets engaged in, for example, ISR operations for the defense of Japan when those assets are assaulted. And second, Japanese troops contributing to international missions such as UN-sponsored PKOs can go to rescue foreign troops uh, operating in the same mission when the foreign troops are assaulted. And third, Japanese forces can provide wider logistics support to foreign force units engaged in legitimate combat missions. And finally, Japanese forces may engage in rescue operations for Japanese nationals abroad in their emergency situations. In this last case, they may rescue foreign nationals suffering from the same situation as well. And all these new roles are necessary tools for Japan's international security cooperation. And behind this legislation is the notion that in this globalized and interconnected world, Japan cannot ensure its own national security all by itself. And not to mention alliance cooperation with the United States, partnership with other like-minded countries must be strengthened. And from this point of view, uh, interoperability and connectivity with these countries, of course, you know, including the United States, will be enhanced in years ahead. And it is not easy to imagine the orientation of the forces in the next 20 years, but uh, in order to achieve the roles assigned by the legislation, I hope that the Japanese fo uh, defense forces will make much more, much, much more efforts to be more joint, more mobile, and equipped with more intelligence capability and more C4I capabilities. And it will uh, take the Japanese forces some time for education and training necessary to perform the roles stipulated in the new legislation. Uh, but uh, I am afraid that the security environment will not be patient enough to wait for the maturity of the forces, and I believe that the forces themselves are much aware of this acute situation. Well, thank you. That's a, a very good overview of the legislation's impact on the potential roles for the self-defense forces. 
What are the implications for capabilities for the self-defense forces, though, both for these new roles as well as the interoperability with both the U.S. and other like-minded partners? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, just two years ago in December 2013, the government of Japan established the National Defense Program guidelines to define the future orientation of Japan's build-up in the coming years. And the key concept here is dynamic joint defense force, which emphasizes jointness, mobility, command and control, and interoperability with the United States, among others. And for the time being, the Japanese uh, forces will pursue these same uh, principles, I think. And the capabilities and functions the defense forces emphasize now are ISR, intelligence, transport, C4I, and, uh, you know, island defense, particularly amphibious capability, and missile defense, space and cyberspace capability, and large-scale disaster relief and peacekeeping. And uh, there are at least two important points here, especially in relations with the newly established national security laws. First, contingencies may develop in an enormous speed and thus seamless response to be able to address rapidly changing situations is must. And second, uh, there may be multiple contingency. For example, there may be an invasion capitalizing on disorder caused by a large-scale natural disaster in Japan. And therefore, the defense forces of Japan must be able to address such a complex uh, contingency quickly. And in both points, a whole-of-government approach is must to address the challenges. Well, thank you. I wonder if we can just step back for a second and talk about Japan's role in the world and mm -hmm. how it views its mission on the global stage. And I wonder as well if you wouldn't mind just adding some perspective because you've had a long distinguished career in government before you stepped down just recently to affiliate with the Sophia University. So, I mean, how has this current view of Japan's role changed in your mind, if it has changed? Well, I'm not so sure whether I'll be able to answer your question directly, but uh, I, my question is as follows. All of us live in the globalized and interconnected world. Japan, as a maritime nation much dependent on trade, will continue to benefit from the stability of global commons or international public goods, uh, particularly the maritime domain. And proactive contribution to peace based on international cooperation will continue to be the guiding principle of the government of Japan and its defense forces, together with Prime Minister Abe's diplomacy that takes a panoramic perspective of the world map. And in order to address global challenges, more efforts will be made for counterterrorism. Uh, non-proliferation of weapons of mass destruction and for stable use of cyberspace, for example. And in order to address regional challenges in the Asia-Pacific, maritime security, of course, in the uh, East China Sea and in the South China Sea, of course, and disaster management are urgent necessity. Former uh, Vice Minister Hideshi Tokuchi, thank you so much for joining us. Well, uh, Patrick, thank you. Thank you very, very much.